Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What the poop happened between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom on a debate stage yesterday? Was it the debate for the future of America like I thought it could be? What was the point exactly? Also, it's Friday, and that means best and worst takes coming your way. I'm Andrew Coppins, and this is Critical Thinking. Yes, yeah, so normally this would be just best and worst takes out of here. Crown a brand new Richard of the Week and all of that wonderful goodness. Um, I, I will tell you this. We're not even going to nominate somebody for Richard of the Week. It's just going to happen. Um, because there's nothing more Richard than picking on a kid, okay? A, a kid who cannot defend himself. That That's the absolute worst, especially if you're an adult. Now, that all being said, last night, Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis, Red State, Blue State, debate stage. What was it all going to mean, this, that, and everything else? So I wanted to give you some thoughts because I actually thought this debate was useful and not useless last night. First off, I absolutely think that there was a way to determine a winner. One of my thoughts prior to this debate was that we might not actually get to see a winner, quote-unquote, simply because I believe that there's one camp of blue states, one camp of red states, and you're just going to whistle past the grave of each other, and people in the middle are not going to be paying attention. And then Ron DeSantis made you pay attention. So that, for me, is the reason why Ron DeSantis wins. Also simply because he was more nimble on his feet during the actual debate. He was able to deal with the lies, the obfuscation from Gavin Newsom that were just piling up and piling up and piling up better than Newsom dealing with the accusations and the facts and figures that were thrown at him throughout the night. I absolutely thought that Ron DeSantis did a better job of simply just dealing with what was in front of him. And that sometimes can win you a debate. I thought he looked less smarmy, less slimy, Gavin Newsom had facts and figures put in front of him and then just simply lied. Now, sometimes that doesn't matter. Sometimes presentation will trump facts, figures, who got this right and who got that right. But when you package that with Gavin Newsom's slickness and some of the things that he attempted to do, it just came across as inauthentic. And I'm surprised by that. Because Gavin Newsom is a slick politician. He is the definition of that kind of caricature of a politician. That's who he is. Now, also I know that DeSantis was a winner because Newsom was so rattled 
that I caught not once but twice. The only time that Newsom feigned outrage was the quote-unquote besmirching of the great name of the city of Los Angeles because Ron DeSantis dared to say that it was a once great city and now is a hellhole, and and that's a reality. Talk to people that live there. Talk to people that visit there who want nothing to do with the Sunset Boulevard or the Hollywood Walk of Fame or most of the tourist attractions anymore or the fact that you can go like a block outside of City Hall and it's one of the most dangerous parts of the city where drug needles are everywhere and yada, yada, yada. But then also when they had the audacity to mispronounce the vice president of the United States name, those were the moments of outrage for Gavin Newsom. That That's when you perked up and, and had a real visceral moment during this debate. Interesting. Another thought that I had on this debate was around the topic of abortion because it did come up. And there's no doubt that there's a massive difference between the state of Florida, especially now, and the state of California when it comes to abortion. The state of Florida passed, at first it was going to be, I think, 15 weeks, and then they moved it back to six weeks, and Ron DeSantis supported moving it further back into six weeks versus California, which is abortion for evs. And I hear a lot of people say that you cannot win on abortion if you bring it up from the right. If you talk about it from a real pro-life point of view or a real pro-life stance. But last night proved that to be an absolute dead wrong thought. Because on that debate stage, we had that dichotomy, right? We had that divergence if you will. And what answer seemed to be more radical to you? I'm going to restrict in the name of protecting life in abortion. I'm going to restrict it. We're going to say, no, when we know that we can recognize that that is a human being, we're, we're not going there. Or Gavin Newsom's answer of, I, I don't have a restriction that I would support at any point in time all the way up until that baby who is 1,000% a viable human being could come out of that womb. That's how you win this debate. You make them own their radical position. I have talked about this a thousand times over. You shine a light and make them own their own poop which is going to come up later in this debate. I also believe that DeSantis won because here's the thing. One thing that I was wrong about, this debate not moving the needle at all, because it did for me and it likely did for others. Because here's the reality. I try to stay out of endorsing candidates or doing this or doing that because I don't think it matters what I personally think. But if I were to pick a horse in the GOP race that I would back, that I would comfortable, I would be most comfortable having as a leader, it would be Ron DeSantis. And here's why. What we saw and why I believe this moved the needle is if you backed away from the infighting and the, the over-talking and the bickering, what was really on display last night was one person making the debate, making the case, making their differences about you. The other was about one person. And that was very stark. Ron DeSantis, time after time, question after question, anecdote after anecdote, talked about you, talked about your reasons, talked about your economics, your life, 
this, that, and everything in between. Never making it necessarily about himself. He talked about the things that he did or his administration did to help your life, but back that up with conversation about why. And the why was never about Ron DeSantis. It was about you. On the other hand, do you want to make 2024 about one man? Or do you want the politicians to be paying attention to your wants, your needs, your issues, the things that need to be corrected for your life, which is more broadly the American life? Things like inflation, wages, um, prices at the gas pump, taxes, education, life. Let me ask you simply this. Do you want the next election to be about you or one person? We can attempt in 2024 to spend our entire time from a movement perspective, if you will, from a libertarian or more socially conservative libertarian side of things, attempting to have to defend whether rightly or wrongly accused Donald Trump and thus not shining a light on the issues and the differences and the things that Joe Biden wildly throws out there or the fact that that individual is cognitively declined to a point in which he should be nowhere near any levers of power, period, point blank. Do you want it about you? Or do you want to sit there and defend, 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 and lose? Because that's the reality that is in front of us. Do you want to get your ass kicked in the general election in November because you've spent your entire 2024 having to talk about Donald Trump, not about the things he wants to accomplish or goals or any of that, but just him? Or do you want to work to defeat the cognitively declining, at best, Joe Biden with a person who cares about you and your issues? I also bring this up from the perspective of moving the needle because last night we watched Gavin Newsom at least four, possibly five times. I think I might have missed one of them. But at least four times use Donald Trump as a cudgel from the left because Gavin Newsom was attempting to make a leftist point to score a point against Ron DeSantis to say that, that Donald Trump this or Donald Trump that never attacking him from a position that w that the right would hold, but that the left currently holds. Donald Trump agrees with the left. I have never seen a debate strategy that not only worked against yourself, meaning Gavin Newsom, but also helped your opponent in their own primary. All Gavin Newsom did the entire night, whether that was the invoking of the name of Donald Trump or the invoking of the name of Nikki Haley, weirdly, at some point. Literally, like I said, four, possibly five times. Newsom invoked the name of Trump on that stage. Then Nikki Haley. But always to make a point from the left. To the GOP primary voter that was watching this debate, if they were, I don't have the numbers in front of me because it's too early in the morning to get those numbers, but if we were watching this from that perspective, as a GOP primary voter, a caucus goer in Iowa, Gavin Newsom's invoking of the names of both Donald Trump and Nikki Haley came from a leftist perspective. They were, he was attempting to tell Ron DeSantis he was wrong because he's too right. He is further to the right. He is further to social conservatism, economic conservatism, right? Or economic populism, however you want to phrase it. He is further that direction, which is a win in a primary. 
what do we always talk about? Can you go, how far do you go down that road before you have to pivot to the general election in which what happens? You have to be a little more center. Or do you? Or do you just have to have principles, values, all of that sort of stuff? The point of the matter is this. I have never, ever, ever seen somebody win a debate by reminding an opponent that they're more in line with the values of their own side than somebody else on their side. Now, not one time, not one time did Ron DeSantis of his own volition invoke Donald Trump to make a point from the right. Now, the name drop that he made was an absolute nuclear bomb, and it came very early on when he is telling stories that are relatable, and that's the other part of winning here. The storytelling of the individual making it about you and not him, the lessons he learned from you. He tells a story, right, of a citizen who moved from California to Florida, talking about the taxes and this, that, and everything in between, and then lets you know, by the way, that the person I was speaking with was Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. That, folks, was a nuclear bomb. It was over from that point forward because what was Gavin Newsom's response going to be? Attack his own father-in-law? Let me know how that works out for you. Uh, I'm going to go with not so well on any level ever. Doesn't matter if you were right or wrong, by the way. Doesn't matter. Don't ever go after your wife's father. Bad things happen. The other parts of this that I thought were interesting, Newsom attempting to invoke fact-checking throughout the debate only for it to be an absolute self-own because he couldn't even keep his own lies straight as they stacked up in this debate. I mean, at one point in time, he decides to tell the American people that more people moved from Florida to California than vice versa. Okay, let's check the numbers. This should be pretty easy, right? That's what he said. He said more people moved. He didn't say more people per capita. Now, we can talk all the time like we do about what stats and data really matter, and and you can make them say anything. This is a great example of this because PolitiFact, attempting to give you the facts in this debate, decided to side with Gavin Newsom being mostly correct on that on that assertion, except for the actual number, the physical number of people making those moves was like two to one almost California to Florida versus the other way around. It was a, it was about a 20,000 person difference. Gavin Newsom didn't say, well, per capita, Gavin Newsom said the number of people. PolitiFact decided to tell you he was right and then told you, well, on a per capita basis, um, the, the migration. That's not what was being said or talked about or discussed. And more importantly, the per capita basis doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Because you're asking people about whether or not they physically wanted to live one place or the other. It doesn't matter if, if Florida has five times less or Rhode Island to California and vice versa. Wouldn't it be a bigger problem if more people were moving from California to Rhode Island than Rhode Island to California for California? Why would that be a problem? Because there's less people to come from Rhode Island to go to California and also less people likely looking to move the other direction. Or pick a state, New York even, or what? let's pick another red state, right? Let's pick Texas, that's a really bad example for Gavin Newsom. Uh, Or Georgia, even. Let's pick Georgia, then. Another pretty populous state that still has a net migration problem when it comes to Georgia going to California versus vice versa. 
Even the people who were attempting to run cover for Gavin Newsom couldn't do it without moving the goalposts. That's how significantly bad his lies were. PolitiFact telling us that Newsom was right only because they use a completely different measure than Newsom or DeSantis or even Sean Hannity were using is an absolute self-own. I also thought it was interesting and important, and I think this got across very well last night. At most points, Sean Hannity was using government, like CDC or FBI statistics, or left-wing think tank statistics. He played on the field of Gavin Newsom and made Gavin Newsom look bad because Gavin Newsom couldn't defend those own leftist government statistics. He never picked um, the Cato Institute or or the Center for Immigration Studies or whatever right-wing think tank you want to come up with to use as numbers, the, t- the Tax Foundation or whatever, right? Never used those numbers. Simply government and then every town USA numbers. And Gavin Newsom looked like the smarmy, just gross, slimy politician that he is. He exposed his own ass last night. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis had an absolute viral moment. Not once, but twice, if not three times. And they were all positive for him and a reminder of the consequences of going full California. That's all I'm going to say on that. I think now is a great time for us to go ahead and do what we always do on a Friday, give you our best and worst takes. And, of course, we're going to start with our worst takes. All right, so. My first worst take actually comes from the President of the United States, Joseph Marionette Biden, who had this to say about um, ceasefire and the war between Israel and Hamas. Quote, a two-state solution is the only way to guarantee the long-term security of both the Israeli and the Palestinian people, to make sure Israelis and Palestinians alike live in equal measure of freedom and dignity. We will not give up on working towards that goal. Okay, so you're not going to give up on working towards that goal. There's just a problem. Um, Only one side has that goal, and that is Israel. Israel has done this not once, not twice, not three, not four, at least five, if not six times, if I'm counting correctly. It's at least five. Five times throughout its history has told uh, the, the PLO or the Palestinian Authority or Hamas or whomever that they're willing to give you a two state solution. And we, we go from there, right? They're, they're willing to negotiate from that perspective. Here's the problem. The other side is not negotiating in good faith and never will negotiate in good faith because whomever is in charge from the Palestinian perspective doesn't even acknowledge the right of the Jewish people to exist on earth, let alone in a some sort of nation state scenario. So when you're dealing with one side who doesn't even recognize your humanity, let alone your nation, how is it possible to get there? What diplomacy works? And this is why people like Marco Rubio and others whom I don't always agree with are dead on on this. The only way that this gets to a two-state solution is when Hamas and terrorism and terroristic ideology, Islamicism or Islamic um, political ideology is destroyed, root and branch. The destruction of Hamas, not just the dismantling of its um, infrastructure from a terrorist perspective, its ability to launch rockets, whatever. We're not talking about that. 
the organization ceases to exist because none of them exist. They're either captured and in prison and unable to communicate. Their funding, gone. Their backing by Iran, no longer available. The West Bank, Gaza, all of that. The complete destruction, the reversal of the ideological teaching. And, and I mean this from the perspective of they are literally teaching hate. They are teaching terrorism to little boys and girls. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Until they give that up, there's no solution that will work. And short of recognizing that, this is why this is a bad take. You can work towards that all you want, but you're not even recognizing the basic realities that get you to a framework. The, the, the framework is Hamas doesn't exist, period, point blank. That is it. And if you don't want to recognize that, I, I, I don't know what to do for you. I, I really don't. I, I don't know how to help you. Now, my second worst take of the week comes from Joe Biden as well, where he claims, <clears throat> quote, and this is on X, let me be clear to any corporation that hasn't brought their prices back down even as inflation has come down. It's time to stop the price gouging. Give American consumers a break. I agree with you. Give American consumers a break from you and your policies that have exacerbated the problem. Stop printing money like it's going out of style from your Federal Reserve. How about this? Stop spending trillions of dollars more than we have coming in on our budget. I know, super radical of a position, right? But at the same time, folks, here's the difference. Yes, the rate of inflation is going down, but what does that mean? Inflation is still happening. It doesn't mean that prices suddenly get to drop. It means that the rate at which they increase, the inflation rate, the rate at which the base price is going up is slowing down. So rather than, let's say, your groceries going up 25%, they're only going up 10%. That's not how this works. You don't get to do, well pre-inflation going nuts your 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 gas or your price of milk was three dollars a gallon and now that it's uh 5.99 a gallon you got to get back down to three dollars no 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 you would need to see reverse reversal of inflation a lessening of costs and i don't know how you do that because that's not how economics works it would only be driven by consumers stopping the consumption in mass of a good or service in which you must lower the price to meet that lowering of demand, right? Again, basic macroeconomics, supply, demand, price. Where the supply and the demand meet together is the price that you should be at. And when consumers stop paying the price that you are charging for a good or service, you lower it 
or you do something different to attract consumers to that price point. This is basic economics. Uh, of course, Bidenomics fails to represent basic economics or understand basic economic principles. It's just mind-blowingly stupid. Yeah, the rate of inflation might be down to 3 point whatever percent. But prior to that, the rate of inflation was somewhere in a manageable 1% neighborhood, right? Or less, or 0% inflation. Trust me, you do not want a reversal of inflation, by the way, because that means we're in an economic tailspin from a different perspective. It means people are pulling out of the economy more broadly. Just terrible, terrible, terrible. Speaking of terrible, um, the third worst take of the week is Karan J. Phillips or Karen, as other people are taking to calling uh, this absolute just Richard of the Week winner as well, who decided to go after a little boy um, for apparently blackface and and then and then when confronted with the absolute trash of only showing one side of a black and red face painted face. Oh, and then oh oh well, it's really about the fact that he's also insulting Native Americans, except for he's also. Um, Native American. He, he's also an Indian. Um, that, that's like, you know, we're not supposed to be able to tell black people how to be black, right? 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 Just stupid, 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 stupid. Not only has he doubled down, he's tripled down, and I can't see any of it because I've been blocked by this individual since 2018 for calling him out on all of his racist BS for years now. He has made a cottage industry out of sports racial grievance. Folks, Karan J. Phillips is a trash human being, and he deserves every single thing that is about to come his way from a law perspective. Deadspin and Karan J. Phillips deserve to be sued into oblivion. Just like Deadspin's parent company Gawker was back in the day, by the way. Absolute trash take. Well, I, it, it's still racist. So the kid's racist no matter what. Because you see him as white, except for he's also Native American and half white. So what you doing? Oh, now you're picking and choosing which side. Oh, very interesting that you get to do that. Oh, oh, huh. Race, race grievance trumps everything. And it's the most vile, disgusting part of leftist socialist ideology that oppress oppressed versus oppressor it, it it's just awful 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 all right so for that it's a worse take and also richard of the week stop attacking little kids who can't defend themselves by the way that's terrible and you're an asshole for doing it not just a richard by the way but let's move forward. Let's get into some positivity here because it's time for the best takes of the week. All right. So first up is Michael Schellenberger, who testified in front of Congress this week on a topic that I just haven't had enough time to really digest and dive into, and I'm likely to to look at this next week. Um but it's the censorship industrial complex, as he calls it, and just how deep this has gone. And I'll be interested to see how people who were involved with companies like this and involved with these quote-unquote public-private partnerships, um, how they defend the accusation. And for me, this was an absolute best take. 
Nine months ago, I testified and provided evidence to the subcommittee about the existence of a censorship industrial complex, a network of government agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, government contractors, and big tech media platforms that conspired to censor ordinary Americans and elected officials alike for holding disfavored views. I regret to inform the subcommittee today that the scope, power, and lawbreaking of the censorship industrial complex are even worse than we had realized back in March. Two days ago, my colleagues and I published the first batch of internal files from the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, which show US and UK military contractors working in 2019 and 2020 to both censor and turn sophisticated psychological operations and disinformation tactics developed abroad against the American people. Many insist that all that we identified in the Twitter files, the Facebook files, and the CTI files were legal activities by social media platforms to take down content that violated the terms of service. Facebook, X, formerly Twitter, and other big tech companies are privately owned, people point out, and free to censor content. And government officials are free to point out wrong information, they argue. But the First Amendment prohibits the government from abridging freedom of speech the Supreme Court has ruled that the government may not induce, encourage, or promote private persons to accomplish what is constitutionally forbidden to accomplish, and there's now a large body of evidence proving that the government did precisely that. What's more, the whistleblower who delivered the CTIL files to us says that its leader, a quote-unquote former British intelligence analyst, was quote-unquote in the room at the Obama White House in 2017 and she received the instructions to create a counter-disinformation project to, quote, stop a repeat of 2016. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity, and Information Security Agency, CISA, has been, at the center, been the center of gravity for much of the censorship, with the National Science Foundation financing the development of censorship and disinformation tools and other federal government agencies playing a supportive role. Emails from CISA's NGO and social media partners show that CISA created the Election Integrity Partnership, EIP, in 2020, which involved the Stanford Internet Observatory and other U.S. government contractors. EIP and its successor, the Virality Project, urged Twitter, Facebook, and other platforms to censor social media posts by ordinary citizens and elected officials alike. EIP reported that they had a 75% response rate from the platforms and that 35% of the URLs that they reported were either removed, labeled, um, or throttled, or soft blocked. In 2020, the Department of Homeland Security, CISA, violated the First Amendment and interfered in the election, while in 2021, CISA and the White House violated the First Amendment and undermined America's response to the COVID pandemic by demanding that Facebook and Twitter censor content that Facebook said, that Facebook itself said was quote-unquote often true, including about vaccine side effects. All of this is profoundly un-American. One's commitment to free speech means nothing if it does not extend to your political enemies. In his essential new book, Liar in a Crowded Theater, Jeff Kosef, a law professor at the United States Naval Academy, shows that the widespread view that the government can censor false speech and or speech that quote-unquote causes harm is mostly wrong. The Supreme Court has allowed very few constraints on speech. For example, the test of incitement to violence remains its immediacy. I encourage Congress to defund and dismantle the government organizations involved in censorship. That includes phasing out all funding for the National Science Foundation's Track F, Trust and Authenticity and Communication Systems, and its Secure and Trustworthy Cyberspace Track. I would also encourage Congress to abolish CISA in DHS. Short of taking those steps, I would encourage significant guardrails and oversight to prevent such censorship from happening again. In particular, it's very easy to see the line in CISA. They say they're covering physical security, cybersecurity, but they added a third one, cognitive security, which is basically attempting to control the information environment and how people think about the world, including the stories that they tell. Finally, I would encourage Congress to- All right, so I think you get the point there. What Schellenberger is stating is that there is great evidence that not only did they try to manipulate the 2016 election vis-a-vis the Steele dossier and, and what they knew to be untrue and hid, they were also attempting to manipulate what you see, how you consume it, um, how you think. 
that's really what he's arguing that this was a giant psyop from the very get-go, and we have the evidence of it. Our own government is psyoping us. How dare you? Then furthermore, we have information that comes out that uh, the FBI and CIA, DHS, have long been just blanketly sweeping up user data and information from Twitter and others regarding talks of certain topics like January 6th and if you engage in liking or bookmarking or doing this or that with a with certain flagged accounts, you're now on their list. I guarantee you I'm on that list. I guarantee you, given all of the COVID things that I have been on for the longest time, that's your government in action, folks. And the question that keeps coming to my mind is what are you willing to do about it? Are you willing to say, no, we are, we are unwilling to accept anybody in a position of power that is unwilling to combat this? And that that is the bare minimum requirement. We're going to send you to Washington, D.C. with one or two goals. The first goal, protect life. The second goal, protect our liberty. And if you violate either one of those two principles, you be gone. And we will continue to replace and replace and replace until you listen to us. Or until one of us finally says, enough, I'm stepping up and I'm going to do it. Where is the left that used to love hating government censorship? They've become whom they hated in the 60s and 70s. They've become the very thing they hated. And I hope that the right doesn't become that. I'm not suggesting that censorship is an answer. What I'm suggesting is that you've got to fight for the maximum amount of freedom. You have to, and there's nothing more free than speech. And if you are unwilling to fight for that, what good are you to us as our representative? These organizations are rotten to their core. They need to be gone, all of them. And most of them never rebuilt again. All right. But I'm not done with the debate from last night because I saved the most craptastically awesome take I have ever seen on a debate stage. This trumps the uh, hold your age against you uh, quip from uh, Ronald Reagan. This trumps that in my viewpoint. Well, I'm looking at total time. Governor DeSantis, yeah, look, about this, two minutes. This, 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 this is a map of San Francisco. <laughs> There's a lot of plots on that. You may be asking, what is that plotting? Well, this is an app where they plot the human feces that are found on the streets of San Francisco. And you see how almost the whole thing is covered because that is what has happened in one of the previous greatest cities this country's ever had. Human feces is now a, a fact of life, except... When a communist dictator comes to town, then they cleaned up the streets. They lined the streets with Chinese flags. They didn't put American flags there. They cleaned everything up. So they're willing to do it for a communist dictator, but they're not willing to do it for their own. I want to get in with that. That was unbelievably awesome because it was true. If you looked at San Francisco and the streets that, you know, in Chinatown and elsewhere, they went from drug infested, poop ridden streets to clean as a whistle all buttoned up, looking great for Xi Jinping. But for anybody that comes there to visit, and by the way, Chinatown in San Francisco is one of the most visited places in America. I I just, wow, folks, wow. Haymaker after haymaker. I have never seen somebody literally drop a poop prop. We, We just had somebody drop poop on a stage. That was awesome on so many levels. Now, speaking of awesome, this is one that I'm sure you have seen if you've been paying attention this week. Elon Musk, we, we've seen a lot of people talk about him having FU money or this person has FU money, that person has FU money. 
this is exactly what we mean by FU money. And warning, language coming your way. And you're clarifying this now. Um, but there's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't about, advertise. How do you think then about the economics of, of X? If, 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 if part of the underlying model, at least today, and maybe it needs to shift, maybe the answer is it needs to shift away from advertising. Um, if, if you believe that this is the one part of your business where you will be beholden to those who uh, have this view, what do you do? G-F-Y. I, I understand that, but there's a reality too, <laughs> right? Yes. No. No. I, I, I mean, Linda no, Yaccarino is right here, and she's uh, got to sell uh, advertising. Uh, absolutely. So, um, no. No. Totally. So. So. What, no, no. Actually, what what this advertising boycott is uh, is is going to do? It's it's going to kill the company. And do you think that the I, I, but, and the whole world, will know, that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. But there are those advertisers. I imagine are going to say. They're going to say, we didn't kill the company. Oh, yeah? They're going to say... Tell it to, tell it to Earth. But they're going, to say that, they're going to say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? That's, that's what and, and they're let, going to say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. So let me... Okay, this, then this goes back to... We'll, the, ma- we'll both make our cases. Right. And we'll see what the outcome is. What are the economics of that for you? I mean, you, you have enormous resources, so you can actually keep this company going for a very long time. All right, this goes on a little bit further, and I think some of it is important, but he's not just saying go bleep yourself because of speech. He is saying go bleep yourself because you're sub- you are succumbing to economic terrorists. That's what you're doing. And this has been the pattern forever. Uh-oh, uh-oh, somebody said something I don't like or didn't know about or this, that, or the other thing. And furthermore, they did no research into this, and it was just knee-jerk. We're, we're, we're pulling, we're pulling, we're pulling. They did no research to find out that Media Matters made the whole damn thing up. Literally. Literally. They attempted to make the entire thing up. They found one or two cases of that happening in which... There were um, advertisements next to neo-Nazi content or whatever the hell you want to call it or anti-Semitic content or this, that, or the other thing, okay? They made over 50 accounts and tried 5,000 or 500,000 different ways to try to replicate what they saw, and they couldn't because it is such an anomaly. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Sometimes things slip through the cracks. Every business has that happen. No business is perfect. Nobody is perfect. There's only one person on this earth that has ever been perfect, and his name was Jesus Christ, our eternal Son of God. And what he is basically saying is, go bleep yourself, right? Because, not just because I have all the money in the world, but because... You are the reason we would die as a company. And he's making a bet that the American people know what's up. They see through it. They understand it. And let's let the chips fall where they may. And quite frankly, I think he could build a much better overall platform himself from the ashes of all of this. And that's really kind of what you're seeing from the perspective of changing the company to X, right? It's video platforming and 
and some of the other changes that it's making. And, and the reality of all of this, too, is it is not Elon Musk that is being hurt by the advertisers pulling away, okay? That's not what's actually going on here. Lest you forget, there's advertising sharing. There's revenue sharing that happens with power users of X. If you have the blue check mark, right, and you meet a few other requirements, you share in the revenue of ads that are placed in and around your feed. You share in that revenue. And for a lot of people, it can be significant money. If you can get that far. That's whom these companies are really hurting. They're hurting the bottom line of many simple, everyday Americans who have great followings on X. That is whom they are hurting. They're hurting other brands. They're hurting other people. And they are the ones telling the story here. That's the bet that Elon Musk is making. When they talk about FU money, that's what they're talking about, is that he has the money to tell you that you do not control how he runs his company, what he says. And you shouldn't have the control to ruin other people's lives. He goes on to talk about leading with kindness and everything else. It's just, I loved that take. But with all of that having been said, I hope each and every single one of you have a great weekend. It's championship weekend for college football, the most watched college football season of all time. We'll see if that continues to move forward, considering the new era we're entering with the expansions and changing and the Pac-12 going away, allegedly, um, from the perspective of, of they might not have a season next year unless we can figure out something with the Pac-2 keeping the name, but also playing a, a schedule with actual conference opponents. But anyway, all that notwithstanding, college football this weekend, I hope each and every one of you help uh, yourselves to celebrating Advent, the, the season of Christmas beginning this weekend. And with that, please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals and donate a meal or two to somebody else in need. And as always, Matthew 547. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.